Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular, cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega, and it is Thursday, July 17th, to July 16th, sorry, of 2020 at 4.49 p.m. Okay, um, so let's start with a question. Let's imagine for a moment that we're a year, year and a half, two years away from today, and everything is in the new normal. You know, we no longer have to distance like we are now, and our economy is back the way it was. So we begin to um, consider a question. Um, we, we kind of have this feeling we don't want something like this to ever happen again. So then the question becomes, how much, oh, and the other part is like, we will have spent however much money it will take to repair our economy and, and get us back, get us to this new normal. So the question becomes, what percentage of the money we spent addressing this COVID-19 do we believe is prudent, is, uh, is important to spend to give us the, the best chance, the best possibility of preventing future pandemics like the coronavirus? Um, and when I, when I was thinking about, about that question before, I, you know, I'm wondering, well, I'm guessing that some people might say, what, 5% of what we spent, 10%, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a difficult kind of a, um, an answer to come up with, but, um, but let's say, you know, it, it seems like 5% seems reasonable. Okay, so um, so going with that, let's turn to the theme of of of, of this series. You know, as, as I've been saying, we'll continue to say um, there are the 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 best, the ideal way of um, preventing future pandemics is. It really actually doesn't cost anything. You know, if, if we were much better people, collectively our entire world, we would simply stop eating animals, stop farming animals. Because without the contact, you know, between those farm animals and we humans, and then obviously between farm animals and animals like bats and, and rodents that, um, that are like the first stage in this contagious chain that leads to us, without those farmed animals, we would be in a world that would be similar to a great extent, or to, to this, you know, in this sense, to, to pre-agricultural society, uh, pre 
domestication of animals um, where there was no livestock. There were, there were hunter-gatherers and, and actually maybe, you know, because even like hunting, um, before that perhaps there was a time when, um, well, I mean, like if we want to be religious, like before the flood, you know, everybody was a vegan. I, you know, I'm not sure if that's accurate um, scientifically, historically. But um, so, but, but the point is that like, we could do that. In other words, like that, that represents our best protection against future pandemics. And it wouldn't cost us anything. Okay. Um, but, you know, we have to be realistic. We have to ask ourselves, well, um, how willing would we here in the United States and everybody throughout every country of the world be to, um, to forgo, you know, meat, um, fish, eggs, milk, um, you know, seafood, I mean, like, shellfish and all, whatever we eat now. I mean, how, how willing would we be to, to, to just completely change our diet? And I think, you know, realistically, that would be a challenge that I'm not sure we as a species are morally, morally evolved enough to, to meet I mean, uh, and I say this, you know, I think very convincingly in the sense that um, just the fact that we pay people to abuse and torture our farm animals just so we could have cheaper meat kind of um, demonstrates our, our limited morality. So um, our limited control of our passions, our desires. So, all right. So, um, so that's the ideal way. And, um, and if, if, this, if this pandemic had occurred pre-2013, when Mark Post premiered the first hamburger patty completely created outside of an animal through cell cultured technology, um, cellular agriculture, um, then that, you know, that would have been, you know, perhaps very necessary. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been our only option. Otherwise, we'd have to live in fear. So, I mean, there are, there are, there are two other options that we have now. You know, the first is like now that we have this new technology, we are very, very fortunate to not have to make that choice between you know, carnism and veganism. Um, so, um, so, so then we're at, at, at the point where, well, okay, we, we have this research and uh, 40, 50 startups trying to, trying to solve the research challenges, the re research and development challenges. Um, to scale up production, to go from growing, you know, they can now grow, for example, um, beef, pork, chicken, you know, duck, um, seafood. They can grow this in labs now, but in order to, uh, 
to grow these products, these new food products in sufficient quantities to feed the world, they have to, they have to solve certain, again, research challenges. And, um, and so then the question becomes, you know, going back to our initial question, well, how much, uh, how much, oh, the, the last part of this is like right now, it's, it's, a, it's a nascent field. It started in 2013, and there's about a billion dollars invested in it. You know, putting all the investments of the 40 and 50 to 50 companies combined, it's about a billion dollars. So then the question becomes, well, how much, you know, how much should we be spending? Because and the the idea is, all right, um, if we if we continue researching with that level of investment, let's say you know they go from one billion to a, a year or two, two billion or three billion, um, it may and probably would take ten to fifteen years to. Um, to solve all these challenges and, and just you know make this transition, uh, we could get lucky. But um, for a lot of the products, um, you know, it seems that that would be a reasonable timetable. But you know, again, um, imagine, imagine if rather than spending a billion or two or three, we were to spend fifty billion. You know, to to bring many, many more researchers, biologists, uh, engineers, you know, the, these, these professionals to solve these problems. Because like, again, the, one, of the, one of the reasons these problems have not been solved yet, and, and there's a certain kind of like pace at which you're going, is because first, there aren't all that many researchers working on this. You know, 40 to 50 startups, some of them only have you know a handful of staff some of them have a bit more but very few people on the planet some people in, in, in um, they're beginning to work on it more you know universities basic research but still compared to so many other areas of research in the world it's it's, it's really an extremely limited supply of of people of resources going to this so um so scale up, $50 billion. Now, we were talking, we started, you know, suggesting, well, you know, it seems like it would make sense and to, to spend like 5%, you know, of, of what we had to spend on this one to prevent all future ones, right? To, to give us our best chance. And our best chance really, you know, if we get this right, when we get this right, because I think we will, um, we could probably be at least 95%, perhaps 99% safe of these pandemics. You know, we just have to like, again, if there's no contact, we, we may have to close zoos, things like that also, uh, which, you know, that, that's another kind of like form of animal abuse. But it's primarily the agriculture industry, the, the livestock industry. So if we do that, you know, we can be very, very safe from future pandemics. So, um, you know, if 5% seems a reasonable amount for that. Well, you know, the $50 billion that I just suggested, um, compare that to what Forbes reported on June 2nd in an article um, 
was an, an estimate by the Congressional Budget Office for how much they estimate will, um, will be spent by the United States alone um, to address this pandemic financially. And, and they, you know, the figure they um, came up with was $8 trillion, okay? So, so what percentage of $8 trillion is $50 billion? It's not 5%, it's not 4%, it's not three or two or 1%, it's one half of 1% of that expenditure. Um, and I'm saying this because if you, you know, if you ask the average politician, if you demand as, you know, as a citizen, listen, we need to spend, you know, $50 billion now, not, not next year, not in three years, you know, we need to spend this now so that when this distancing, this, this economic um, closing is finally lifted, when we're back to this, when we're at this new normal, whatever it'll be like, uh, we don't have to live in fear of, of the next pandemic. So if, if you ask most politicians something like that, you know, unfortunately, they are not the most virtuous people. You know, most of them are much more concerned with being reelected than with doing the right thing. And that's both parties, Democrats and Republicans here in the United States. Um, but they respond. So, so if we as a population, as voters, as their constituents demanded they do this, um, I think they would. They, they would see, they would see there would be such a, um, I mean, like just take, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement where people went out into the streets and all of a sudden, you know, the Confederate statues came down, policing uh, here in New York City just lost a billion dollars in, in funding. You know, major changes happened because of that, because people demanded it. So, um, that's where we are now. We, we have to demand of our politicians that we invest this money as our best way of um, being free of future pandemics. Now, again, as I said yesterday, and as I found out recently, um, that's not our only, fortunately, um, means of defense against these future pandemics. Um, researchers are also working on a universal vaccine that, that would work on the two the the subtypes of of influenza A, which is the, the influenza, the flu virus that we need to be concerned with. Um, you know, H1N1, H5N1, H3N1. There's different subtypes, and you know they're working on a vaccine that would work um, against them all, and not just work for a year or so, and then you have to do it again, but ideally for 10, 20 years. Now that may not, we may have to start with, with yearly vaccinations, you know, which, but, but that's, that's the other, that's the other major field. And this show isn't really so much about that, but, but I need to mention it because it's so important because that's a second prime of attack against these viruses. And so like, if it makes sense for us to be spending, um, $50 billion immediately to fast track cellular agriculture so we can have these products throughout the world in, in three, four years, then it makes similar sense to also 
scale up the um, the research on this vaccine. Now, I you know, I haven't done the research to determine how much is being invested in the universal vaccine, but I I I, um, I happened upon an article recently where the National Institutes of Health uh, recently awarded about 150 million dollars to a pharmaceutical company that is, I, I believe is in stage three uh, trials of, of, a, of a prospective universal vaccine that may not be perfect. They still have to, but I think what I'm trying to say is like, there may not be that much being spent on, on, on universal vaccine. So that's, so instead of spending just $50 billion on cellular agriculture, we, we probably should be spending 50 additional billion dollars on a vaccine and all right so um that's that's where you know fine we're, we we have challenges that we have to um address now you know the a lot of the states you know like the the governor of ohio this republican i mean the guy he's it's completely clueless completely irresponsible he's he's he just like signed an executive order that prevents cities and, 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 and towns and counties in Ohio from, from requiring masks in public. I mean, that's criminal. That for, for, for the governor to do that is, is criminal. And so we still have, you know, one of the challenges we have today is to stand up against things like that. So we're doing as much as we can, you know, so we're testing as much as we can. These, there was a, there was a news report yesterday where, where the, the doctors in certain places, because there's a lack of um, equipment that the, the, the gowns that they wear and the masks and all, they're having to reuse these, 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 these gowns that are supposed to just be a one use gown. They're having to use them more than once. And then, in other words, the, between uh, insufficient testing, insufficient equipment, you know, that, that's a serious problem we need to address. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's something where Trump, you know, has been completely irresponsible. He could easily invoke the War Powers Act that requires certain industries, certain companies to start manufacturing these products so that we do have enough gowns and masks and tests and all. He refuses to do that. Maybe we need to like go out into the streets to demand that also. So what I'm trying to say, yes, we, we, we still need to do more to contain this virus. And, and so we'll be back, we'll be at, at this new normal um, sooner. But it would be so irresponsible to to not begin the process of protecting ourselves from future pandemics now. You know, um, as I've mentioned before, these, these epidemics, these outbreaks, because initially what, what happens is like, they start out as outbreaks. Like, like they notice that um, pigs, like for example, in South Carolina, just several months ago, I think 30,000 pigs were killed because they found an outbreak of swine flu there. Okay, and this, this is not all that uncommon. Um, so like they, you know, if an outbreak, you know, 
spreads the human and, and the human spreads it like through the air travel that becomes, you know, an epidemic and then a pandemic. So like, you know, we want to prevent any and all of these, you know, outbreaks to then prevent the epidemics and pandemics. And again, um, until a vaccine that, that under, you know, business as usual may take 10 or 15 years to, to develop until that happens. Um, and even if that did happen, again, the, these, two, these two strategies of ending the farming of animals, you know, transitioning to, to cellular agriculture and, and um, finding universal vaccine or, or semi-universal, there may be some vaccines that are just extremely effective you know, so we may have, we may, you know, we may do the same job, not just with one vaccine, but maybe with three or four, but, but vaccinations. And, and then I guess the, actually the last, there's a third um, area of research that we need to probably, maybe this could be an, another $50 billion that once a person gets the, the, the illness, the, the, the flu, uh, much much better treatments to save lives. Now that that's uh, that's the least effective because some of these viruses can kill within 24 hours. You know, and sometimes you you, you just can't get to people and give them the medita medication in time to uh, to save them. But um, so that's you know that's that's something we need to consider now. Um, if we're going to be responsible and uh, and not risk, you know, not risk a much worse pandemic. This, this coronavirus has a death mortality rate of about 2%. Uh, there's some viruses that have a mortality rate of 50%. You know, we're, we're very lucky in a certain sense. Um, all right, well, that that's the, the the gist that's that's the essence of what this show is about now naturally i'm going to go into um into many other aspects of this the cruelty uh, you know why you know from a, a religious a spiritual perspective what we're doing to those animals is so horrible that we kind of deserve this you know from my perspective i you know i i agree with einstein and freud and darwin and newton you know our, top four scientists that we don't have a free will that you know this this idea that we do is, is is just mistaken so i don't fundamentally blame us for this but i do have the recognition that nonetheless even though it's not fundamentally our fault that we're abusing or paying people to abuse these animals god nature does punish us to the extent we do so you know we we have we have to address that aspect of it too and i think you know that we may be so successful in addressing that aspect that, um, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I, perhaps it's possible to hope for this. Perhaps in a year or two, people will see, you know, the devastation that's been caused and people will be able to confront their role in it, you know, people who are not vegans and, and across the world, you know, we, we, we have a, a, a moral reformation. We have a, you know, a strengthening of our, our collective conscience. And it could be that in a year or two, we just, you know, realize that, that we absolutely need to end the farming of animals and the eating of animals. 
that's a possibility. Again, I, I started, you know, suggesting that, well, we, we may not be um, morally evolved enough to do that, but, you know, punishment has as its intention heightened conscience, heightened um, awareness of morality. So maybe we have learned our lesson. And, and I think, you know, because one good thing about the show is like, as I present these ideas, you know, day after day after day, Monday through Friday, week after week, um, new ideas will be coming to me. So like the, the nature of this message will, will you know, will change. I, I you know, having, having um, just suggested that it is theoretically possible that, that uh, in a year, within a year, we decide to just end the farming of animals and transition to, I mean, we, we don't even need, again, we don't need to, to, to wait the three or four or five years uh, and spend the $50 billion to, um, to bring cellular culture, clean meat, cultured meat, you know, to market, you know, to replace the, the, the animal um, based meats we eat now with, with cell based, with lab based meats. You know, we could um, ideally, and, and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin uh, to promote that message too. Um, there's about 2% of us. I've been a vegan for about 15 years. And vegans will tell you, I mean, science will tell you that veganism is a much, much healthier diet than, than being an omnivore or a carnivore. You know, a plant-based diet has been proven to be much healthier. And, you know, there's some studies that, that question that, but I would rank those studies with studies that, that, that question climate change. You know, there's the, the, the livestock industry, the dairy industry, they spend a lot of millions of dollars protecting their industry, protecting themselves. So I wouldn't doubt that they fund research that's intentionally misleading on this. Um, all right, I've got about less than two minutes. So, okay. Um, I will, you know, um, one thing I want to do next is I want to um, email an organization called Mercy for Animals. That They have a lot of photos of how these chickens and cows and pigs are treated on these farms. And what I'd like to do is start um, sharing my screen with, with photos of, of them so that you get a better understanding of, of how horrible we are, how, how evil we've been in paying people to, to keep those animals in those conditions. And I'll talk more in more detail, for example, with, with chicks, you know, uh, so they don't peck each other, you know, and hurt each other as adults. They, they, they cut off their beaks, you know, the tips of their beaks without any anesthesia, you know, and they, say, they do the same for piglets, so they don't bite off each other's tails. They cut off their tails without anesthesia. I mean, that's just one of the many, many horrors of, of animal farming. And I think we need to get into this because, uh, yeah, as I, as I talk about it, I'm thinking that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe this coronavirus is our wake-up call to become much, much better people. And maybe it'll extend beyond the entire plan of becoming vegan. Maybe we'll just like become better people, end global poverty, start addressing climate change. You know, I mean, 
strange things happen in our world. We, we've got Trump as our president. <laughs> How strange is that? So the Trump, all right, I'm running out of time. Um, I will see you tomorrow. Thanks, or next week. Thanks.